You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 401. Why are small groups so important? I'm part of a church that's connected to a family of about 600 other churches. C3 Global were a movement of churches that started in Sydney, Australia back in 1980 and got churches all over the world. And, you know, one of the things that's foundational for all of our churches is this idea of community connection, and and small groups. Every church, no matter how big you are, unless you're just in the starting stages where you're a small group yourself of 25 or 30 people, but once you get past the 50 or 75 stage, you need to start thinking about creating a small group system. And the reason I think this is so important to talk about, and I'm going to give you some really important things. I'm going to give you five um, keys on why why small groups are still so important is I still see churches trying to get by without them. Now, uh, some of these are big churches. I've actually spoken in some big churches over the last few years, some, some even some mega churches in other parts of the world that don't have a small groups program. Now, they'll have three, four, five services a week, multiple services on the weekend, But as far as a small group system, so there's not a sense of community. As great as these churches are and the the impact that they're having in the community, that's all great. You also don't get the sense of community within that particular church. So I want to give some ideas, um, talk about why they're important. And really, I just don't see how churches can successfully function without them. Now, Don't hear what I'm not saying. You know, some traditional churches um, still operate as as I grew up as as a Baptist. You know, you go to church or or you go to Sunday school and then you go to church. Well, what I found is those those Sunday school classes often function as a small group system because those are the groups that people connect with, especially if it's in a large uh, traditional church that still runs Sunday school. So that is a small group system. So there's nothing wrong with that. So, and look, I get it. Everybody's got to do 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 things differently. I, you know, every pastor has a different vision. But we've just seen so much fruit come from this. Um, you know, one of the the things I hear, we've got several really really big churches in our area. The one of the things I hear all the time is. Well, you know, I just, I was going there, but I didn't know anybody, and I just got kind of lost in the crowd, and I wasn't really connected. And my next question is, well, were you in a small group? And the answer is always no, because if you join a big church, and, 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 and the one I'm thinking of has an incredible small group system, and but you have to choose to join it. And so people are going, and this is a great church. They're doing a lot of great things in the community. they got multiple campuses. They're just, they're, they're really a good, good group of believers. We love them. 
But you can go and just be part of the crowd, slip in, slip out anonymously. But if you really want to get connected and you really want people to know you and you don't want to feel that sense of disconnection when you go to church, you've got to get involved in a smaller group where you can build relationships and have community. So why are small groups so important? Number one, they help grow the church. In many cases in our church, they've also provided an entry point for people into the church. I've met somebody just in the last week or two um, who, who's come to our church because they started going to a small group. Somebody invited them, a friend who goes to our church, said, hey, listen, you know, why don't you come to this group? We get together, we have some food, we laugh, we talk, you know, we're doing a book study, um, we're doing a Bible study, or whatever it is, whatever kind of group it is, people come, they're looking for something, and in many cases, it provides an entryway into the church. And in many cases, it's less threatening than inviting somebody to church. Uh, someone who's never been to church before, they might be a little overwhelmed or nervous about coming to church if they, they, they didn't grow up in church or they've been away for a long time. But inviting them into a small group where nobody's going to be preaching at them or beating them up with a Bible, but there's just an opportunity to connect with other people, have some great food, make some friends, uh, maybe have a Bible study, but if it's done right, it's not going to be alienating. It's going to be drawing people in through discussion questions. And so, you know, there's just really, a, the, the, the small groups really become just a super, super way to help build our church. Um, it also allows non-members, and this kind of goes back to providing an entry point, it, it provides and allows non-members to connect with members of the church and to make friends. Well, once you've made friends at the church, that becomes a retention point. So not only is it an entry point, but it's also a retention point because people typically don't leave a church where they have deep and meaningful friendships. This is what happened during COVID. People were drifting away because the, the friendships that they thought they had weren't as deep and meaningful as they thought they were because during COVID, these folks just drifted away and never came back to church. Um, another way that the, the, the connect groups, small groups, life groups, whatever you call them, um, help grow the church is they allow people to ask questions. There's an atmosphere in which people can ask questions about the church and about Christianity and about life. Um, you know, we've, we've, my wife and I have led small groups of one sort or other for years and years. We've led couple groups currently for the last couple of years. <clears throat> She's been leading women's groups. I've been leading men's groups. And, um, you know, what I find is people don't have an opportunity on Sunday mornings to ask questions. Maybe people who are new in the church. And, you know, I can remember, you know, somebody saying, well, what is, what is this thing about tithing? Why do y'all give money to the church? Well, no, they're not going to ask that on Sunday morning. But in a small group, there's a, there's a way to ask that. Um, what about these spiritual gifts y'all are talking about? What about, you know, you name it, any question that comes up in the life of a church, in a small group, it provides a safe setting for people to ask questions. And sometimes questions, having questions asked and, and answered, are really the thing that keep people in church. Because sometimes people in their own minds, they build these issues up. And when somebody just explains it to them, 
typically the response is, oh, okay, now I understand. So small groups help grow the church. Number two, number two, small groups, if they're done correctly, provide most of the pastoral ministry in the church. Now, if you go to a a traditional church where there's the pastor and he does everything, it may not quite work out like this. Um, When I was growing up in a traditional church, the pastor did everything. He went to the hospital and visited everybody. He went to the houses, the homes, and visited people. Um, you know, he, he did all the counseling. He, he, he was there. He was the man. And really, I think over the years, I think we've, we've seen in more non-traditional churches that that really is ineffective. It burns people out, especially the pastor. And Really, most people's problems don't require the senior pastor. Most people's problems would be solved by simply going to church consistently. That'll take care of probably 80% of most people's problems. If they'll just come to church every single Sunday and get in the presence of God and hear God's word and hang out with other Christians. Number two, most people's problems will be solved by going to church, but also getting into a small group. Because in a small group, you've got people who can pray for you. They get to know you. They can... Um, be there to walk with you through the issues of life. We just had a in our church a lady who, whose mom passed away. Her mom didn't go to our church, but she did. And her, her, her small group rallied around her. They brought her meals. Um, they just were there to support her and, and undergird her. And what was fascinating and to, to other people, to us, this is the way we do things, the person who did the funeral was a lady who's not even on staff at the church, but she's part of the pastoral team, but she's led many of the the small groups that this woman whose mom died has been in. So it was a very natural thing for her to do the funeral. But So people's problems are going to be solved by going to church, getting in a small group, and then number three, by serving. Just by being on a team and serving. And this lady whose mom just died, that was the the other support group. She's on a a couple of different teams in the church where she serves and volunteers. And so these people were rallying around. These were the people that were the funeral, cheering her on and loving her and caring for her, and just letting her know that we're here for her. So, so the senior pastors can't take care of everybody, especially once you get past about 50. Um, and even at, at that size, they shouldn't be. There should be other people who are doing it. But you get to a certain level, the senior pastor doesn't know everybody, and he can't take care of everybody. But connect leaders and the connect members in that particular group, learn to help people work through their issues. There's a death in the family. They're the ones who are there providing meals. And it's not that other people in the church don't do that, but the connect group becomes that point of contact to help this person through their crisis. Um, A smaller group, a small group, provides a safe setting for people to open up and talk about their lives. Um, you, You know, as small group leaders, we have helped couples in crisis. Uh, we've helped couples, families that are dealing with uh, family issues, and we're not professional counselors. We're not going to be doing long-term counseling, but we'll help people get over a hump, and if we need to refer them to other more professional counselors or, 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 or further up the line, we'll do that as well. But people need help sometimes, and in that small group setting, this is often where that help takes place. In fact, I'd say the majority of pastoral ministry in our church takes place at the small group level.
don't go away. We will be right back. I just wanted to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, New Testament Snapshots. New Testament Snapshots is the exciting study of 12 of the lesser-known figures in the New Testament. You know, when, whenever you, you, you get a picture from somebody, maybe you're with some friends and, and one of them will take a selfie and they'll send it out to everybody, and, you know, so we can capture that moment in time. We always want to look and see, you know, how did I look? Did I have any food in my teeth? Did I have my eyes open? You know, we always want to look at ourselves, which is, is normal. It's fine. But, you know, that picture, as long as you've got that picture, it's going to remind you of that moment in time. There's a story there. Hey, we were at this restaurant eating or we were at this concert or we were doing this thing at somebody's house or whatever, but you're capturing that moment in time and there's a story that goes along with that photo. In the New Testament, there are some amazing leaders, there are some amazing figures that don't get the press and they don't get the ink that Jesus or Peter or Paul or some of the other uh, key figures do, and that's, that's fine. Everybody's not going to get the same amount of space, but it doesn't mean that they don't have important roles in the New Testament. Um, in, this, in this New Testament Snapshots book, there's actually several women that we, we cover um, who had key roles in the New Testament. But again, they didn't, because of their place in life in, in that time, that time period, they just didn't get the ink. So, But what we find is, if we're willing to put in a little bit of time and effort, you can actually uncover more of their story than you'd realize. So New Testament Snapshots is looking at the the, the story behind the picture, if you will. You see the name, but often we don't know that there's a story associated with the name. So check out New Testament Snapshots. You can click on the link to, to read a little of it, but by all means, click the buy button and get it because I know you will love it. All right, well, we're talking about why small groups are so important. First of all, they're important because they grow the church. Number two, they provide most of the pastoral ministry. Number three, they are the primary way that we create disciples. You know, discipleship doesn't necessarily take place on a Sunday morning. You got maybe 15 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes before church. And, you know, let's face it, if you got little kids, you're probably just rushing to get there on time. Forget the being early. After church, you might stick around for a few minutes and chat with your friends, but that's not discipleship. That's just kind of catching up. Um, and the pastor's, the pastor's preaching, the worship, is, is an element of discipleship, but it's not discipleship itself. But discipleship, disciples are created in a small group environment. You know, Jesus' last command was to go and make disciples. Well, that should be our first priority. His last command should be our first priority. So, so it's in the small group setting that we discuss, that we, we learn, that we talk about, whether we're having a, a, a Bible study or whether, you know, we're just getting together and having kind of a social small group, we're still talking about what does it really mean to follow Jesus? I mean, this should be something that every Christian should want to do and do well. But we all have struggles. We all have little bumps in the road. And having people around us who can pray for us and encourage us and help us understand what it means to follow Jesus is very important. Um, uh, another important thing to think about, we're talking about discipleship here. What does a healthy marriage look like? You know, you've got people that come into church from different backgrounds and, and you know, having 
marriages that are solid and good examples around them might be the thing, exact thing that they need to keep their marriage on track. What about parenting? You know, kids don't come with an instruction manual. And I can't tell you the times over the years my wife and I have been able to just kind of talk to young parents who were just frustrated and didn't know what to do and they thought they were bad parents and they just had no idea um, on, on how hard sometimes parenting could be. And we were able to kind of talk them off the ledge and give them some concrete things that they can do as Christian parents to raise up not good kids, but godly adults. Here's a good one when we're talking about discipleship. We're talking about what does it mean to be a disciple? Well, how do Christians resolve conflicts with another person? You know how they do that in church usually? They just leave. You get offended and you leave. That's how that's how so many other churches grow. You talk to somebody, hey, you know, it's great to see you at our church. What's going on? And when you kind of dig under the surface, you find out they got offended at another church and now they've come to your church. Well, stick around because they're probably going to get offended here too if you're looking to be offended. Um, if you're looking for something wrong, it's easy to find something wrong. But in reality, as a Christian, to, to be a Christian, what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, it means being able to forgive and move on. It means being able to work through conflict the way the Bible describes and, and moving on in life and maintain a friendship with that person in some cases. Obviously, there's some things that you might not be able to do that. But, but most of the time in, in church, you know, we work through our offenses and we move on and we become better friends. Here's another one. We're talking about discipleship again. Where can I serve in the church? You know, disciples, um, serving is such an important part of discipleship. In fact, what did Jesus tell his disciples? Mark 10, 45. The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus himself came to serve his people. And so as Christians, we should be looking for opportunities to serve. And there's there's a, a very strong element of discipleship in that as we learn to serve others and serve in, in the house of God. So that's that's three. Number four, number four, why are small groups so important? Small groups, connect groups, whatever you call them, provide the family structure for the church. What does that mean? Well, Sunday services are a weekly celebration where we have hundreds and hundreds of people come together on a Sunday Worship, praise, prayer, ministry time, uh, great preaching and teaching, you know, some time to catch up in between services or after services, but that's a weekly celebration. But what connect groups do is they allow people to do life together. Uh, we know what's going on in each other's lives. Uh, right now I'm leading a men's group. And in this men's group, we're working through a book by Pastor Chris Hodges, Out of the Cave, and it deals with depression, anxiety, and fear. I'll put a link in there in the show notes. Um, fantastic book. And, and so many men, you know, we think we can do it on our own, but what we're finding is this group of men that I'm leading, we're getting, and these are men that I already knew, but I'm getting to know them even better. I know what's going on in their lives. I know what's going on in their kids' lives, their jobs, their job lives. Um, their dreams, their aspirations. Um, we're, we're building a family, uh, a group of men who, 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 who can, you know, call each other at any time, day or night, when we need something, and, you know, build those kind of relationships. We need them. We need them desperately. So a family structure for the church. And then the last one, number five, 
is small groups provide a great environment for training people for ministry. Small groups provide a great environment for training people for ministry. Like I said, if you grew up in a traditional church where you had the pastor, actually in the South we call him the preacher, you know, you got the preacher, and the preacher goes and visits people in the hospital. He does weddings. He does funerals. He counsels people. Um, he visits visitors at their house. That used to be what they do. I don't know if they do that anymore or not. But, you know, you, you come to church, and, and the preacher comes to visit you sometime during the week and drops in and, you know, just gets to know you a little bit. And, and the preacher handles everything. He does it all. And he ends up burning out, and nobody else gets trained for ministry. Listen, we believe in elevating people and giving them opportunities to minister. We would much rather have a, a, a large group of leaders and pastoral leaders and ministry leaders and connect leaders who can help so that the pastors and the key pastors can focus on the things that are really, really important. Um, leading the church, casting vision, preaching great messages, planning for the future. Um, that's, that's what we feel is so important. So, so other leaders can be developed um, in, in these small groups. First of all, every Connect leader in, in, in our, our setting, um, I can't say it, it's 100%, but most of the time, about 90% of the time, they also have an assistant leader that they're bringing along. And, and I've been very, very fortunate to be able to bring along some younger guys, some older guys. Uh, we brought along some couples when my wife and I have been doing it together. We're always looking to elevate people, raise them up, train them, and then give them the opportunity to lead a group themselves. Another way that uh, we, we train people for ministry, and, and this is you know really more ministry of the heart, is... The, the connect groups, the small groups, provide a place for people to develop and use their spiritual gifts. You don't really get that on Sunday morning. Maybe a little bit, but not much. But in a small group setting, people get the opportunity to learn how to pray for each other. Um, if we want to be effective Christian leaders, we need to be able to know how to pray for each other and pray for people and know how to give good good counsel and good advice and know how to operate in the realm of the supernatural. Uh, you know, we don't want to just leave that to the pastors. We think, oh, those spiritual gifts, that's for the pastors. No, 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 they're for everybody. And so God wants to put those gifts. He's, they're already inside of you, but you've got to develop them and, and release them. And in a, in a small group setting, you really, really get a great opportunity to develop these gifts. And so we always want to be training and raising up other leaders. That should be, in fact, as a Christian leader, that's that's as much your job as anything else that you're doing. You say, no, no, I'm over the finances of the church. Well, then you should be raising up other people to help you in that realm. Um, you say, no, I'm just the worship leader. Well, then you should be raising up other worship leaders. And everything that we're doing in church, we should be raising up other leaders to come alongside and help us and to, to help develop their gifts. We never want to get stale and we never ever want to run out of leaders the the saddest thing is when i hear a pastor say well i just don't have enough leaders and then my first thought is gotta make them bro you gotta make those leaders and the way we make them is we raise people up we give them responsibility and we we, we let them go so i'm going to stop there
Why are small groups so important? Number one, we grow the church. Number two, we provide most of the pastoral ministry. Number three, they're the primary way we make disciples. Number four, they provide the family structure for the church. And number five, they're a great environment for training people for ministry. Well, I'd love to hear from you. What do you think? What are some other reasons why small groups are so important? Go to davidspell.com, leave me a question or a comment in the comment section for today's post so that we can stay in touch. While you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter so that we can stay in touch. I can let you know some of the cool stuff that's going on. I've got some some great ministry trips coming up that uh, um, you know I know you'll want to hear about and, and, and be able to pray with us as we go and be able to touch and impact lives in other parts of the world. So by all means, sign up. Get on my mailing list. I won't give your email email address away. I promise. Well, friends, thanks for being with me. And we will see you next time on Leading and Learning. Thank you.